so, so those of you who, who listened to the shir last night will understand the importance of the matmonim approach to the meaning of Lagbaomer <coughs> and how it's uh, the beginning, how it's the bringing together of the the Pnimiyuta Torah and the and the, the structure of the Torah, bringing it together, um, and and understanding the synthesis of the inner meaning of Torah with the structural meaning of Torah. Never using the inner meaning, never using the machshava part of Torah as a reasoning tool. We don't use it as as, as reasoning. Reasoning in Gemara has to be uh, uh, using the the principles of Londis, but certainly to understand the meaning. And when we bring that together, as we do in the Matmonim, that's really the essence of what we celebrate on 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 Lag Baumer, as I explained last night. And I mentioned that we'll have a look at the, at the relationship between Gomorrah and history, which confuses people terribly. Um, so the Gomorrah says that we're looking at the layout of the Beis Hamikdash, where everything was. And it's all fascinating, especially if one has a sense of design. <coughs> Nowadays with diagrams and models, it's become much easier to understand this Gomorrah. Gimel Shebet Safon, there were four, three offices in the northern section of the Azara. Lishkat Ha'etz, Lishkat HaGola, Lishkat HaGazit. The office of, the, of wood, the office of the Gola, and the office of, of Gazit. The office of the Gola was, there was a well there, the water was there, there was some machinery there related to the water. Some say Rashi brings it was dug, that well was dug by the people who came back from the Gola. Uh, different reasons as to why it's called Lishkat HaGolai, but it was a water place. Lishkat HaGazit is where the Sanhedrin used to sit. That was the office of the Sanhedrin. They were on the northern section. What about Lishkat HaEtz? What was the Lishkat HaEtz used for? The wood-paneled office. Who? What was this wood-paneled office for? Omer Abeliezer ben Yaakov, Shochachti Ma'etam B'Shameshet. I don't remember what it was used for, says Abeliezer ben Yaakov. And that's incredibly difficult. Firstly, Abeliezer ben Yaakov, the fact that he says, I don't remember, means he was there. You, you don't remember? Okay. And we know that he was there. Rabbi Yezab ben Yaakov is um, a, a, a relatively early Tanner. So he's from the, from the second century. So, so it's, it's right in the, from the first century. So right in the time of the Chubin. He was there during the Chubin Beis Amikdash. He gave us most of the Mishnayis and Masechet Midos, which is all the measurements of the Beis Amikdash. He was an expert in the, in the layout of the Beis Amikdash. Rabbi Yosef ben Yaakov. Um, now, in the Gemara I brought last night from, from uh, Yuma about the Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva, uh, Rabbi Yosef ben Shamua is mentioned as one of the um, a Talmudim of Rabbi Akiva, the se- of his second yeshiva. And uh, that same Chazal appears in the Medrash in, 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 in Breshis Rabbo, and there it's Rabbi Yosef ben Yaakov is mentioned there, which throws the historians into a bit of a tiz. And they say either Rabbi Yosef ben Yaakov lived a long time, he, served, he, he saw the Beis Amikdash, the second Beis Amikdash, and he was still alive as a Talmud of, of Rabbi Akiva. Some want to say there were two Rabbi Yosef ben Yaakovs. We don't have to go there because our Gemara lists that as Rabbi Yosef ben Shamua. So as far as we know, Rabbi Yosef ben Yaakov referred to over here as the Rabbi Yosef ben Yaakov who lived in the time of the Beis Amikdash. If he lived in the time of the Beis Amikdash, I understand that he says Shochachti. So what do you do if you forget? You ask, ask other people who were there. You're not the only person who was there. You're the only person who survived from the second Besamikdash. 
So what does it mean? I don't remember. And, and the Gemara leaves it, so we don't know what the base, what the what the Lishkat was used for. Because the only person who could know is Rabbi Eliezer ben Yaakov, and he says, "I forgot." Okay. Why? And the Gemaras, we've had earlier Gemaras going on in, into where the Mizbech was exactly. Was it here? Was it there? Can't these things be established? We have such precise tradition. You take a Sefer Torah today, and you take a Sefer Torah written 2,000 years ago, and they're precise, exactly the same. Every little dot is the same. We have such precise, how to make tefillin, how to make mezuzahs. We have such precise tradition. Is there not precise tradition as to exactly where the, where the Mizbeach stood and where these different offices were and what they were used for? What happened to that tradition? The... Um, and I think the way to understand these, all of these sugyot is we, we're not looking to establish historic fact. That the archaeologists can do. You don't use Gemara to work out science. If you want to work out science, you get the scientists to study science. You don't work out the, the Gemara. Yes, there are, there, we have some information, we have some wisdom in the Gemara, medicine, but you don't go for a medical cure to the Gemara. For a medical cure, you go to science. As the Rambam himself says, that's not what the Gemara is for. When the Gemara brings a medical chazal, it's for reasons other than providing the medical information. It's, got, it's, it's, it's much deeper than that. If the Gemara brings some, some uh, uh, scientific information, it's not about the science. That's not what the Gemara is for. The Gemara is for how to think and how to live and, and the, the meaning of life and understanding the meaning of life. That's what it's for. So when... Rabbi Lezab and Yaakov says, I don't remember. It's not, I couldn't find it out if I wanted to. It means what he's, what he's saying is, I don't remember how to work out where it goes. I can find out where it, what, what it was used for. I can't work out how it was used, what it was used for. Now we see that, for example, with um, Rav Popper. Rav Popper says, the Kohen Godel had two offices on the base of Mikdash. Achat Lishkat Farhedrin, Achat Lishkat Betaftinas. He had the Lishkat Farhedrin, which we already learned was, was used for those seven days where he, he slept there, he stayed there, and that, that was his base for the seven days before Yom Kippur. And then there was Lishkat Betaftinas, where he was trained. In the Ktoris offering, how to manage the Ktoris with his hands and his fingers, there was a lot of dexterity needed, and he was trained in that, in the Lishkat Aftinas, which is also where the the was done from. That it, that's that's where it all was was kind of launched from. Rav Popper then goes on to say that what he doesn't know which of the two was in the north and which of the two was in the south. I'm not sure which one was north, which one was south. So here also, uncertainty. But this is Rav Popper. Rav Popper is a Talmud of Abai and Rove. He's the Rebbe of Ravina and Ravashi at the end of the time of, of the Gemara. Rav Popper and his ten sons, of the Poppers that we talk about at the end of the, when we finish the Mesechte, are all buried by tradition in Eretz Yisroel. Um, on, on Har Shinan, you know where Har Shinan is. Har Shinan is a very, very important mountain near uh, up in the, in the north. What's it called there? Is it Kiryat Shmona up in the north there? Um, if you go east from Chula, 
you take the road east, you go into these high mountains. It's very beautiful. We've done some beautiful drives there. It's magnificent. It's right on the Lebanese border. And there's a beautiful road that tracks the Lebanese border. It's, I think it's one of the most beautiful parts of Israel. And, and one of the, the tallest mountains there is Har Shinan. And that, that, there was a bitter battle for it in the independence war to, to get Har Shinan because it was strategically so important. It overlooks the whole of northern Galil. Um, and, and it's right on the Lebanese border. It's strategically incredibly important. And there was a battle backwards and forwards. We got it. We lost it. We got it. We lost it. Eventually, eventually we, we got it. And on that Har Shinan is the kever of Rav Popa and his ten sons, apparently. And uh, maybe that had some schus in how we, in, in, in the Siyat Dishmai, and actually getting that Rav Popa. Um, and these two people are really important. Rav Popa was a great Dayan in, 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 in Bavel. Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov gave us an interesting halacha, which I'll mention to you, because Rabbi Moshe Feinstein uses Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov's halacha for a great chidush. A lot of people say that a, an adopted son and daughter or a stepson and daughter can't have yichud. If they're living in the same house and the parents go out for, di- for dinner, what, the, the son or the daughter have to leave the house. They can't stay in the house alone together. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein disagreed with that. And he disagreed with it based on... Um, on a member of Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov. Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov says a stepson and daughter or an adopted son and daughter can't marry each other because of Marisaya. Because people don't know they're adopted necessarily. The halacha is not so bad. The halacha is people do know. But, but, um, but, but Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov is worried about Marisaya. Says Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, if every time the parents go out, the boy runs out of the house and comes back when the parents come, ba- come back, everybody will know they're not brother and sister. What's the Marisaya? Marisayan means they're living as a normal family. If they're living as a normal family, that's the Marisayan. People will think they're brother and sister. That's how normal it is. It's so normal that Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov was worried about Marisayan. So, so, says Moshe Feinstein, from that you see a family has to live together as a normal family, not running around worrying about Yichud because they're adopted or because they're step-brother and sister. An amazing idea. That was Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov's halacha that led Rabbi Moshe Feinstein to that psak. So Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov is important. Anyway, what's important here is that Rav Popa says, I'm not sure which is north and which is south. So he reasons it out. And he says, well, if, if it, the one was north and the one is south, then it works out that Kohen Godel has to walk an enormous amount on Yom Kippur. Why would we do that to them? Answers the Gemara, Adarabba, we especially would want him to walk a lot on Yom Kippur for two reasons. Firstly, it discourages the wrong people from wanting to become Kohen Godels because it's not easy. And secondly, it's good for his modesty. It's good for his anova to have to walk backwards and forwards. It doesn't just sit in his office like a, a glory. Because the Gemara says, make it one office. Why must he have two offices altogether? So through that, the Gemara reasons which one was on the north and which one was in the south. That it actually so the Gemara starts off saying, from an efficiency perspective, surely the one was in the north, the other one was in the south. Then says the Gemara, no, you don't want efficiency. You want it to be inefficient. So the Kohen Godel's mind is, 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 is modest, he's humble, he's not sitting in his glorious office all day. He's walking backwards and forwards in the base of Mikdash, really working hard. That's what we want. So it's not about efficiency, it's about, about mindset that's important. What, what, what is important, nevertheless, is you see that what they were doing is working out. It's not a question of historically where was it. It doesn't make any difference to us. Who cares which one was north, which one was south? When the new base of Mikdash is built, we'll be told where to put everything. Does it really bother us if this one was north and that one was south or that one was south? That's not what the Gemara is about. The Gemara is about how do you work it out from first principle because that's what Gemara is. Gemara is first principle reasoning. How do you work things out from sukim? How do you start at the very origin of an idea and work from there? 
says Rabbi Loza ben Yaakov, I, I've forgotten how to work out what the Yiddishkat Ha'etz was used for. I could find out historically. I could go to the archives. I could ask somebody. But that doesn't help us. I don't remember how to reason it. Rav Popper says, I don't remember which one was north and south, and he starts to reason it from first principles. It's like Rashi said on Daf Yud Gimel, you'll remember. The Gemara didn't have to give us all those questions and answers, because at the end of the day, they're all pushed aside. But it teaches us how to reason. Gemara teaches you how to think from first principle. And when you think from first principle, there's clarity. When you think from first principle, there's innovation. If you look at, look at all the big innovators in the business world, in the world of science, uh, Elon Musk talks about this an enormous amount. The importance of working from first principles. Not to start three quarters of the way down. Start from the Yesodis. If you take some of the, the Talmudim of Reb Chaim Briska, take the Reb Shimon Shkop, Reb Boruch Be'er, the Briskarov, all Talmudim of Reb Chaim Soloveitchik, completely different in their styles, totally different. You can't believe that they're Talmudim of the same Rebbe. But what's the common denominator? They all work from first principles, which is Reb Chaim's whole Chidush and how to learn, how to reason from first principle. And when you first reason from first principle, two people don't think the same. Because you're starting from first principles and then each one goes your own way. And that's why there's so much innovation when you're thinking of first principle. That's a principle that I, that I teach my clients in business, to get right to first principles. from the Start with what is a business? Why did HaKadosh Baruch Hu put business in the world? We could live in such a way we didn't have to trade with each other. Why do we have to trade with each other? What's it about? Start with first principles, because when you start with first principles, the opportunity for innovative thinking is much, much greater. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, we talked about, that's the greatness of his, of his psak compared to many, many other poskim of our time who don't work with first principles. They quote backwards and forwards, and they cut and they paste, and they, and they look at the whole... Moshe Feinstein starts with Yesodis, starts with first principles and reasons, and that's our derech halimud. That's how we learn, and we see that here. This is not about establishing historic fact. If you want historic fact, go to the historians. If you want to know how to think, come to the Gemara.